Hey y'all, DFoss here. My goal with this Limitless Theory 360 podcast is to connect you with the very people that have positively impacted my life and will continue to impact thousands of others by providing education-based and actionable techniques to creating a limitless perspective on life. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another podcast with Jake Card, our first double guest here on the show. Yeah. Um, we got some cool things going on, but how was your morning this so far, Jake? Good. Yeah. I had some avocados, the daily avocado, like you. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I've been slacking on the avocado a little bit. I can't lie. How come? I'm finding it hard to get actual quality avocados. Uh, Interesting. Very strange. Everyone I buy is either rock solid or it's good. And when I open it, it has brown spots all over it. When I hmm. cut it. Must be imports from where you're at in Florida because in Massachusetts, they're all, they're all green. <laughs> Strange. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to the wrong places. We'll figure oh. it out. <laughs> but uh, we're going to go a little more focused today, right? So we're going to talk about load versus resistance and circuit training versus muscle building. Um, me and Jake are sort of on different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the way we work out specifically. Um, and I think that's going to be really good for this podcast and the content of it, the contrast will be cool to, to see and talk about. So um, first and foremost, kind of like, can you provide a definition for load versus resistance or a comparison? Okay. So, when you're lifting, the load is, in, in my opinion, the total weight. So let's say you're doing uh, 225 bench press. That would be the load. But when I, view, when I look at resistance, I don't really look at the textbook definition. I look at how much force you're applying with that load. So let's say we go into the up and down phases, concentric and eccentric phases of a lift. That's what I view resistance as. So if we're taking the 225 bench press, for example, and we're going to do a three-second down phase and then a one-second up phase, how much resistance is that compared to if you're just doing a one-up, one-down? It's way more with the same load. Yeah, same load. So that's, so that's kind of what I look at, especially when I'm, when I'm kind of prescribing clients as well and with my own workouts. I try to see how can – I not get as much stress on my joints and mm -hmm. ligaments because that's huge for me for longevity. I don't really want to be deadlifting 700 pounds. I don't really have any goals for that because uh, then I can't exercise. And yeah. what do I tell people all the time? Like exercise is my therapy and exercise is like my release. So if I can't do that, it wasn't worth it to risk that for like, you know, a heavy lift, for example. Yeah. It is medicine, right? And you don't want to overdose. No. That's a good <laughs> so I think I think of I think I think of load versus resistance as load being an amount of weight that you are attached to. 
something that you are either holding on to or has some sort of gravitational force on you. I think of that as, as load. I think of resistance as something that is not actually loading a joint or the, the body from a gravitational force standpoint directly, right? Like a band versus your 225 bench. Yep. Um, but I really do like the the view of resistance with isometric, eccentric, concentric, because that takes into effect, like you said, force. And now you can move that load at a different pace and produce different force. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all kind of up in the air, like you had mentioned before we even started this, right? Like there's there's a lot of different perspectives and things that you can kind of take in theory and apply to your clients. So what is, give me, give me an example of something that you would maybe partner or compound set a heavy bench press with. So say you're doing barbell to 25 bench press. Now give me something that, by my definition, you would think is a more of a resistance exercise hitting the same muscle groups. So for your definition, I would pair that with like, let's say if someone has a weak bench, right? We're going to look at why they have a weak bench or why they want, you know, if they want to increase it, what is the limiting factor in that chain of movement? And I would first probably, like you said, bands. I mean, bands are, are amazing to change the tension uh, and the firing pattern of the muscle. And also, you know, bands, they almost, you can discover what is weak in the chain 100%. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would probably pair, and what I do do sometimes is I pair uh, push-ups, banded push-ups. Nice with uh to supplement my bench you know bench pressing obviously i don't i don't barbell bench press ever but when i'm doing dumbbell work sometimes if i'm at a plateau or if i just want to regress week by week that's something that's also a a really important topic people got to know just to dive off for like 10 seconds (laughs) please do not do the same weight in the same reps in the same volume every week week by week and never back off because you will get injured yeah. So that, there you go. That, that's my, that's my tangent for you. <laughs> but, but I would definitely say that uh, banded pushups or banded anything, even banded pull-ups, they're phenomenal. They attack, they just attack kind of the weaknesses in the chain of movement. Uh, and you're, you're able to be more explosive too. Cause look, the resistance is different from the top to the bottom now with, with bands versus, you know, with dumbbells or barbells or even cables. Yeah. Because it's uh, relative, right? Mm-hmm as the band extends, it gets harder for you to actually move and push that and extend it. So now to kind of dive to the side a little bit there, like if you take something like a banded push-up, would you say that that has a gravitational load on your body? No. No. Okay. Now, if you take 
that same example, right? It's, let's take that exact same position, but now move on to our feet. And now you're in this position, the band is behind your back, and you're doing presses here. Does that have a different gravitational load on your body? Absolutely. Yeah, because instead of now, I mean, you've changed the plane of movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, I change the angles all the time with bands, and I mean, mm -hmm. it changes the whole entire movement. If I'm strong, uh, just, just, you know, horizontally and vertically, it's, it could be vice versa for the other one, which is true for me. I'm really strong in the bottom, mm -hmm. but as soon as I find if I elevate my feet or if I just try to do it uh, just standing up straight, yeah. I'm way weaker than if I, mm -hmm. if I have contact with the floor. Interesting. So I would, I would disagree with you there on the, the push-up. I would look at that as a gravitational load because that band has a descending load on your body. Whereas you're standing straight, it's behind you. So there's no gravitational load on your joints in that sense. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting, like you said, because y you, for example, are stronger there, where I, for example, am stronger on my feet. <laughs> right? So, like, literally opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I love training style, because you, you definitely train. You probably train your weak points more than I do, because mm -hmm. I train my glamour muscles, and I'm doing – volume and direct work but you're doing a lot more plyometrics uh calisthenics you're doing more band work more resistant work lateral stuff like you if you put if you put both of us up side by side you're a way better athlete than i am okay so but that just goes to training style no 100 percent. and i was going to say the the nature of my background is athletics right so I always think train like an athlete, train like someone who's getting ready to play some sort of sport. Um, and for me, I played basketball. Mm -hmm. So I was always on my feet. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting how those things play out over time. Speaking and I, that, I need to get you – uh, in contact with a, with a friend, a personal trainer down. He's like, he used to train a crunch okay. uh, named Mike and he actually played at LaSalle on the basketball team. And he was he, Mike Jones and he, his first ever, ever point was a dunk. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and he, and what he, year did he play? Uh, it might've been, he's, he's 10 years older than us. Okay. But he's really knowledgeable. He's huge on Poliquin. He's, he's just like, you would love him. And he's mm -hmm. all about uh, athletic-based training. I gave him your Instagram. And look, okay. he liked you a lot. So, but he should be, he should be on here. It was a three-way podcast. <laughs> <All right. mom. laughs> we can do that. Yeah. We can make that work. Um, I mean, the, to keep going off of these two, right? Load versus resistance. Um, and and gravitational load now do you do you look at the the body as like levers do you look at it as as a lever-based system yes 
absolutely. Uh, it goes hand in hand with Ben, like I love Ben Pakulski and all of his methods. And before I prescribe any movement, especially with in-person training, I'll teach the person, not just show them, I'll teach them uh, the levers in the body and what like the origins and insertions of muscles and like actually how they move and what's the action of each muscle. So you can visualize it because if it's same thing with learning in school, if I'm going to teach you something, you better believe that I'm also going to teach you why we're doing it mm-hmm. what's the real world application and show you it in action. not just give you a formula. It's not mm-hmm. the way I learned at least. So that's how I teach people with the bench press, for example. Um, I don't, I always tell people stack your elbows uh, and wrists in the same line. So 90, 90. And instead of coming, instead of just, you know, coming up like this, like a bench press, I want you to envision like constantly, like almost shut your eyes, right? And envision your elbows and your wrists stacked on top of each other the whole time. Even when you come down, most people come down like this. I want you to rip them out. So they're stacked underneath that way. We can keep constant tension and there's no, and then that people are like mind blown because then the activation of the muscle recruitment, because now they're using the right levers is insane compared to if they were just wrapping it out regularly. And that changes the muscle fiber damage, which allows for quicker and and better growth. So, um, to, to bounce off of that, right. I think, what we're taught in school is is a hundred percent pulleys and levers, right? That's um, exactly how we're taught in kinesiology class to think about the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with people like Pat Davidson and Bill Hartman, um, who are talking about this concept of our body being a pressure-based system, mm-hmm. and pulleys and levers being almost like the molecule is to the atom. That is step two where the pressure-based system is step one in a sense that everything is working off of the diaphragmatic core that we have all of our pulleys and levers attached to. Mm-hmm. Um, so diving into those things has been pretty cool not just from the standpoint of like getting away from the norm because a lot of people do that just to do that I know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but to understand 100% where they're coming from and why they're actually trying to take this theory and dive more into it and really you know, unpeel the onion, but you elaborate. Cause I don't think my audience has any idea what that is, but that would be eye opening for sure. Okay. So, um, if you, right, everyone thinks of muscles that like they work in like this vacuum of some sort, right? Like someone's like, Oh, my calf hurt. It must've been cause I did this with my foot mm-hmm. like that could be it but there could be a hundred other reasons and the reason being is everything is connected there's no fence in the body and when you think of pulleys and levers you think of do one thing get a result 
And that's kind of the extent of kinesiology class from what we learned, right? And then you get into, much like you have yourself, these concepts of, of how breathing affects those pulleys and levers from an efficiency standpoint, from a power output standpoint, and force production, all of those things come into effect. And you have to think of, once again, what are those pulleys and levers even attached to? And that's our core, which consists of our diaphragm. And our diaphragm actually works like a piston. It, a lot of people think it's a almost your back stays straight and your stomach breathes out. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> they think of it as this one-sided, you know, opening where our rib cage is this 3D sphere and the diaphragm is nothing but a bottom and a top. It's a sphere, right? It's got a rounded bottom and top, your pelvic floor and your upper thoracic cavity that's encapsulated by ribs one, clavicle, and the top of your um, your scapula. And when you breathe, it's supposed to work in that exact same motion where you are extending up and down spherically uh, in all four directions, which it's a sphere, so it's not really four, it's, it's infinite, right? It's, there's no actual direction. And uh, it, the ability to make that breathing efficient, the ability for all of those muscles to work cohesively so that the diaphragm does expand like that, all has to do with gradient pressures, which when you get down even deeper into it, has to do with the quantum field, right? Like what they talk about is you know, this glass has a quarter of water. Well, the other, you know, 75% is not empty. It's filled with something, right? And the same thing applies for our diaphragm. And uh, when you have gradient fields, right, you have pressure built up in one place versus another, it flows in that direction, right? Where water is going to go, where, it is most easily allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So um, those, those things all come into play. And I don't know if your audience got a lot out of that because it, it jumped around a lot. But what are some main things that you take from that? And, and what are some main things that you may be teaching to your clients about those concepts, but they may not even know? So I have a question. Uh, yeah. If you were to... So if you were to try to explain to someone, uh, you may not be, you're obviously going a little bit outside the box now and thinking, which is what I do as well. And like thinking, okay, there's levers and pulleys and everything in the system. And that's how we can figure out like proper biomechanic movement and all that stuff. But what is the correlation between now you're looking at the body as a pressure system and, and in their, you know, in their minds, versus not really looking at it as poison levers. They trying to say that like everything is in unison and you need to look at the whole body as a unit rather than like in like if you look at the lever of the arm, for example, that's only one what, one fiftieth of all the levers in the body, you know what I mean? Like so is that what they kind of mean? 
yeah, in a sense that the efficiency for you of you to control the pressure going on in your diaphragm allows for that arm lever to actually move efficiently and fire correctly with a hundred percent or as close to as possible muscle recruitment. Perfect. That, that right there, I hundred percent, everyone watching guys, you definitely have understood that. So that was <laughs> So it, from, from that standpoint, and I know we're both trying to figure these things out, or you may, you may have a better rap on it because you are working a hundred percent on your own, which is huge. Mm-hmm. When you say, I want to visually teach all of my clients, right? You can teach them from an auditory standpoint, from a visual standpoint and from an experiential standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's how everyone is going to fall on one of those three for a learning style. So if you hit all three, you're guaranteed oh, yeah. to teach, right? to teach your client the way that they are going to learn it the most. How do you go about that when you initially start working with the client? Cause like for me, like I would love to have one of these things in the gym yeah. and just go to work, right? Like let's sit down for a half hour and not only give you a visual, but talk you through it and now have you move through it and create that, uh, you know, mental and muscle pathway, you know, awareness. So Correct. what, what yeah. does that look like for you? So I've been able to, without me even knowing that I have a, even when I worked at Velocity in Norwood, I had a pretty good skill set of being able to kind of tie together like why we're doing something while doing it. And I just kind of Mm -hmm. developed that, which is great. It's a great skill to have. Uh, But if I try to do that, I mess it up. But if I'm just like talking about it and I really believe in it and trying to to teach them it, it, you know, I really, they learn a lot. So basically what I do is like, let's, let's talk about, Let's just take like a barbell row, for example. As they're doing that exercise, we'll take a dumbbell row. As they're doing that exercise, I'm going to try to teach them. I'm going to be like, okay, show me what your yours looks like, okay? Uh, and then I'll be like, okay, now I'm going to show you mine, right, of the correct way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to try to ask them pretty quickly within like a 10-second window, like, what's the difference? And if they can't figure it out, then I'm going to explain it to them while doing it again, while I'm showing them again. And I'm going to talk through it. So I will be like, okay, look, like I want to be able to control my, my core in. Okay. So I'm tucking it down. So my pelvis is stable. Now my spine is stable and neutral. So now my lats have the best ability to contract. Now what I do is I'm like, okay, so what I want you to envision is release, but don't, but don't just like protract a ton forward, okay? Because then you're gonna deactivate everything. I want everything to stay tight and in. So tuck your elbow and then envision you almost scooping backwards first. So like almost you're scooping down and then back with your elbow. I don't like the cue for back for like elbows back, for example. I don't like that cue because that that for the most part doesn't that still doesn't fix what most people's problem is, activating the bicep. Yeah. So I don't care if you're, if I'm like, oh, don't use your arms or bring your elbow back. They're still going to flex their bicep, you know, flex their arm when they bring an elbow back. But if you have them 
bring their elbow down or their hand down first and then back, that almost takes the bicep out of it. Because now, same thing like with the bench press, now instead of in here, you're out here now. Mm-hmm. Now there's no way for your shoulder joint, nothing up here can fire. So yeah. now it's only the lat, which is what now I you, Yeah, I like that as well from a, a, the standpoint of you take the load off the anterior glenohumeral joint, right? Mm-hmm. Because you actually, by scooping, right? You're talking about this scooping motion. You're getting that um, that inferior part of the the trap to activate, so that you don't have anterior rotation of the scapula with protraction. You have that downward uh, rotation and downward um, pro or, or retraction of the the scap with. Like that lat contraction so that's the key concept like yeah. i don't care how well you can contract your lat or flex your back mm-hmm. if you don't have proper function of the scapula shoulder blade and the glenohumeral joint it's all crap it's all worthless 100 yeah, percent. i mean that's just that's what i i mean proper execution now there's about 15 percent of the time where you may see me just going going crazy in the gym if i'm really feeling it but remember like i've been lifting for eight years so like no matter how if if maybe a couple reps aren't perfect, textbook perfect, yeah, it's okay because I I can still control the load without honoring that system. But for someone who's not super advanced, you got you got to go by form, hundred percent. No, a hundred and ten percent. So now we talked a, a little bit about it to bounce back. You have you have these concepts right of load versus resistance and and different training styles how are you going to pair exercises when you are thinking about it is it almost as simple as i'm going to pair a, a heavy loaded exercise with something less loaded working more on muscle recruitment uh, I sorry, not muscle recruitment. Um, on, um, like structure stability. Y- yeah, kind of like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, thinking of it as, for lack of a better term, right now, because my mind is way off. Uh, burnout, right? Like you're pumping blood and bringing blood flow to that area that you just recruited as many muscle fibers as possible with that heavy load Mm -hmm. and then you get into okay let's work on form but let's continue to build that blood flow and damage those muscle fibers is that really how you think of it when it comes to muscle building absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. training different fiber types and different rep periods and ranges and bottom the the end of the day like look like blood it the way to build muscle is this get efficient muscular damage tissue damage mm-hmm. and stretch and stretch and shorten the muscle effectively not just like barbaric yeah. and put blood flow in blood flow is is literally the key uh with all that stuff but you can't gain muscle with blood flow if you don't have muscular tissue damage yeah. so they have to go hand in hand and that goes easy that's easy to do for a novice uh, but if you want to maximize that, 
where, you know, you get to where the way that the training style that I train and some people like, uh, if you look up on YouTube, mountain dog one, uh, he's phenomenal at that, at, you know, at that kind of stuff. Even Ben Pakulski is like, you just have to really overanalyze the lever systems, like you said, and then the whole body as a, as a unit and figure out how can I maximize this exercise? Not with weight, you have to get weight out of your head. Mm -hmm. uh, but with resistance and, and muscular, muscular tissue damage and blood flow, how can I maximize the bench press to maximize all three of those variables? But on the contrary, on your end, I wouldn't, I would not train that way. If I, if I, I have athletes too. And if I were to train athletes, that's the last thing I would do because mm -hmm. recovery is extremely important. I don't care who you are for the most part. You really don't need to be doing, you know, AMRAP that much. You really don't need to be doing uh, blood flow work. You, don't, you really don't need to have a, a pump really at all if you're an athlete. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, to take that back from the – you said don't worry about load, don't worry about weight necessarily, right? You're talking about efficient muscle damage, and that doesn't have to be directly correlated with load. Mm -hmm. Now, you talked about concentric versus eccentric. The way I like to look at that as well in the word I like to use is tension, right? The, the body – and the muscle doesn't know the difference between weights or loads, right? And, and resistance, it knows tension. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing the nervous system comprehends from a muscular G, uh, uh, GTO standpoint, right? from those Golgi tendon, the, the Golgi tendon organ standpoint is it, it understands tension and that GTO is in place. It, we've evolved to have that to stop ourselves from injuring our, our own muscle tissue. Yeah. And we're one of the very few animals that has that ability, right? You'll see a lion or a dog even and, and gorillas, they will completely destroy their muscles and so many in so many ways because their body doesn't have that nervous system evolution to tell them, hey, that muscle's about to tear, lay off. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where load and resistance go with me, right? It's like if I can make a banded exercise produce the same amount of tension under the same amount of, uh, you know, for a longer amount of time on a muscle, can it produce the same result from a muscle tissue damage standpoint? That. So that's what I was talking to you about before and how that's, that's kind of controversial. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I, I, I love to be an open book and I love to learn new things and I love bands. I love resistance training. I think you, you can get in You can build muscle with calisthenics. You can build muscle with bands. Now I just don't think there's a lot of studies out there that show, let's take a bodybuilder. For example, take one guy, same stats, same weight, similar genetics that does a full routine barbell bench press, barbell row, barbell shoulder press, and then barbell squat, okay? 
what if we do the same thing, but we figure out the load with, you know, equipment and, you know, in a lab setting, for example, figuring out like what the load resistance and tension is, and then mimic that with the resistance fans. Is that going to be, could that be the same? I don't know. I'd love, I'd love to do that or see yeah, that. That's a, that's a really, really good question. I like the way you put it to like figure out the amount of tension being put on those muscles mm-hmm. and now mimic it with a different weight. I'm going to go against the grain and I've been, I've went against the grain when we talk about, when we talk about uh, endurance with mm-hmm. building muscle and short rest periods uh, and say that you probably can, like you probably could get the same amount of muscle tissue damage and the same amount of muscle growth uh, if you mimic the tension and when you figure that out, obviously of barbells and dumbbells and cables with resistance bands, I really believe that. I, I would agree as well. I would agree too. So now to go back to what you were just talking about building muscle with short rest periods, what is your, your take, right? Cause you can transition a little bit into circuit training versus your traditional muscle building techniques you find yourself somewhere in the middle where i find myself like completely in circuit training yeah so for years i was doing bro splits and i was doing one to two minute rest periods between each set even when we learned at lasalle uh you know they would tell us to do one to two minute rest periods but what i found is like the more advanced you get the less you really need that time period unless now this is unless you're doing strength training. So if I'm doing strength training and I'm trying to increase uh, my deadlift, for example, my rest periods between sets of a set of, let's say four by five or four by two, even it may be five minutes rest between even up to eight minutes. People are like eight minute rest. What the heck? But you need it uh, for your whole nervous system to kind of recuperate. But with muscular damage and tissue, like, I always say, like, and here's the thing, this is also how I've been able to say so lean as well and kind of put a whole new aspect on it. It's like, I'm not going to lose that much body fat if I'm just doing two-minute rest, sitting around on my phone waiting for the next barbell bench press set versus if I'm putting in a lot of effort and intensity, which is the key factor yeah. uh, to muscular growth as well, by just shortening my rest period. Because now what's happening is I'm doing a little bit less weight, okay, but I'm getting more muscular tissue damage because I'm doing way more reps and way more sets in a shorter amount of time, quicker, with less recovery. So they're just getting beaten down, beaten down, beaten down, beaten down tissue uh, in perspective, for example. And then that basically means that you take me that literally did 20 sets for a back workout, let's say, and someone who did 20 sets for a back workout I did it in 40 minutes. They did it in an hour and a half, two hours. I'm very, very most likely going to have more damage if they did the same stuff. It's just because like, I'm not giving my muscles any really that much time to rest and recuperate. Uh, Obviously I'm not like gas when I start my next set, but there's a point in time where I became semi advanced to this. And remember also like, although I don't train to be an athlete, my cardiovascular health and my, you know, all that in my endurance is, is phenomenal for, for me not ever doing any cardio, for me not doing any athletic-based stuff because I train this way. So it's two different folds. Like I've never, like, and I told you this is going to go against the grand as well before I let you take over. Like 
my calories have, have not been this low in a long time. My, my workouts have not been this short in a long time. I only work out four days a week. But like I said, uh, I've literally been able to put on seven pounds of muscle in the past year. Uh, well, not, I wouldn't even say a year. In the past maybe eight months. And for me, that's lifting for seven years, and I was at a plateau for a while. Obviously, I've been injured and fluctuated, but my muscle mass stayed the same for like four years. And for me to lower my rest period, my workout times, uh, my, my weight, my load, my protein intake, my food intake, and just get more done in a short amount of window and gain muscle, I don't know if it's just me being hyper-responsive, but it must, it must correlate that I'm able to break through the plateau and literally almost gain a pound of muscle a month. Yeah. From this type of training. There's gotta be something going on, right? So. So when you talk about shorter rest periods, are you doing anything in between those rest periods? Are you doing super sets or compound sets? Are you only doing two exercises or are you literally doing, all right, it's going to be, you know, dumbbell bent over row. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to rest for 30 to 45 seconds. And I'm going to hit it again. And I'm going to do that until I'm done with the amount of sets that I want to do and then move on to the next exercise. How does that look for you? So if I'm going to do a drop set or a super set or whatever you want to call it, uh, I will go back to back. So I'm going to fit, let's say I'm going to do pair bench press with a row. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do 10 reps of the bench press, jump right into 10 reps of the row. Now this is depending if I'm trying to work for strength or muscle building. If I'm, we're talking about hypertrophy, you know, hypertrophy and muscle building. Yes. I'm going to jump right into it and then I'm going to rest. It's the same concept as if I'm doing four sets of dumbbell rows, working sets. And I do, let's say I do the hundred pound for, I don't know, 12 reps. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rest 30 seconds and then go again, but I'm not resting in between each arm. If it's a unilateral movement, yeah, yeah. I'm going constantly. And like my health endurance, my mindset has just improved like substantially. Like I, like I, I it's funny because people are always like train like an athlete, but I almost found a way to train like an athlete, but also be unathletic at the same time, which is kind of, <laughs> look good. But look good, which is very funny. It's so funny. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. Um, now, what is your – I know you said you had some questions on circuit training. What are, what are some of those or, or what are some things that you may be looking to take away? I wanted to know your – like what do you do in terms of like pairing and circuits? Like do you like to do – uh, opposing body parts for your clients, or do you like to do synergistic stuff where, like we talked about, the bench press super, you know, super set it or paired with something that works on, like maybe the serratus or something like that? Like, how do you? And and also, what's your mission on, like, wh- why do you do circuit training? Is it to is it to you know lose I'll fat? I'll start there uh, because what I do with each client is obviously far far different. Um, so that's kind of a loaded question. Or a resisted question, depends how you look at that. Resisted, yeah. <laughs> um, my mission behind circuit training is the, the concept of training like an athlete. 
and <clears throat> knowing that no athlete is going to use any one particular body part in a vacuum. There's, there's nobody out there playing any particular sport that is going to just use a, a specific muscle group mm-hmm. by its lonesome. Now you could argue like a rower. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. But even then, they're putting every ounce of muscle that they have into that one movement. Mm-hmm. Now it's heavily prom you know, heavily working the, the pull chain and the rhomboids, the traps and the lats and things of that nature, but they're using their legs. Every single ounce of their core is being worked. Um and once again, right, like their efficiency of breathing while they do that affects the efficiency of, the, of each pull. So the mission behind circuit training is, is to constantly keep the body guessing, in a sense. Um, I like multiple different types of circuit training. So for me... Um, Three by three is the easiest and it's the most common, right? You have three exercises if we're doing three sets. Um, but I, I like to typically, my, my people that I'm training with two or three days a week that just do full body every day that we're in there, they, the, the typical circuit is going to be a pulling leg exercise with a pulling upper exercise and a core stabilization exercise that really allows them to rest while increasing the um, endurance of their core and improving upon their functional breathing patterns and ability. So yes, you can rest in you know uh, any given position but me sitting like this right now you know in between a deadlift and a bent over dumbbell row is not going to really be beneficial for me when I start my next deadlift okay so let's put you in a reverse plank so now we're working those posterior chain muscles you are in a position where your core from head to toe is stabilized and and requiring a certain amount of attention, but we're taking that time as a rest period by focusing on your breathing. So a lot of times people will have clients do a plank for 30 seconds. Well, now that person really doesn't care about the quality of the plank. They just want 30 seconds to be done and over with. Yeah. But if I say, okay, your rest here is going to be a plank and I want five deep breaths with a three second inhale and a three second exhale. Now you know that that's a 30 second plank, right? It's three by three, it's six second, you know, for each breath times five. But I'm not gonna count, that's not gonna work. We're We're not counting that. So find your breath within that plank, within that rest time, regain heart rate variability you know um while allowing those other muscles to rest as well so 
that's that's a quick insight. I also like to do um, compound sets if someone is looking for more of a hypertrophy result. So uh, I'll do a, a kettlebell uh, shoulder press with maybe a push-up or some sort of uh, body weight or, or light resisted, you know, chest exercise. So we're getting a good amount of blood flow to that area and just go two by two, but actually do anywhere from four to five sets. Hmm. Now, um, let, me, let me just jump in real quick on that. Yeah, so of course. This is, this is something for you to take away and then any other coach watching or any, any person that wants to train. Like if you are feeling an exercise let's say you have them do the shoulder press right mm -hmm. uh the kettlebell shoulder press and they're like getting a, a great contraction they're really feeling it like it's never been better you know like they mm -hmm. love the exercise i would almost say if i had a plan of like pairing it to get better blood flow or just to work on synergistic muscles yeah. i'd throw that one out the window and and Yep. Yeah. And double up on the volume on that, on the one that you're feeling, because chances are when's the last time, when's the next time or the last time that you're going to feel slash have felt that muscle in such a great way. Mm -hmm. So you should never take advantage of sites. Yeah. Take advantage hundred percent. I'm very much as soon as all my clients come in, how are you feeling today? Because these people have lives. Like they're doing so many other things when they walk in that gym. If I have seven things written down on a piece of paper, the chances are that five of them yep. aren't actually going to benefit that person that day. Yep. So that's another reason that I love circuit training is because it's so interchangeable. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to, put together exercises that can synergistically help the person in the state that they're in, you know, from this, like, and even from warm up sets, uh, like let's get you moving. Let's get you in a state of, of readiness, right. From a, from a central nervous system standpoint, from a, uh, a locomotion standpoint and from a breathing standpoint it's like how can we do that in a fluid motion well an easy way to do that is to give someone that first exercise that you had planned and then you're watching them you're seeing how they're actually performing that and that tells me everything about how they slept Mm -hmm. how what they might have ate last night you know whether they're stressed or not because most likely after that first exercise whatever is is on their mind they're just going to blurb it out yep so okay if you're in a stressed state now that second exercise can be altered very quickly and we can do something to maybe help that first exercise look better the next time or to counterbalance that um and it's just so interchangeable that I find it the most beneficial um, from that standpoint. But 
you know, most people aren't looking for that bodybuilding physique and other people also aren't looking to be athletes. Correct. Everyone is looking to move through life pain-free and aesthetically feeling good about themselves. Absolutely. So to, to give them those things and those tools to do that, it can't be so structured. It has to be, it has to be a result of each and every day, how their nervous system is when they get to the gym, not before, not after, not yesterday, while they're in the gym in front of me, while my hands are, while they're in my hands, you know? So for me, that circuit training just does it, it provides it for me. And it it does have a lot of different variables that you can switch in. Sometimes I'll do, like you said earlier, you don't have to do a ton of RAM reps, but if I'm feeling as if, okay, before I was doing, um, you know, some sort of unilateral leg exercise paired with um, a bilateral upper body. And then maybe instead of working the core, we decided to, you know, throw the bike or the skier or the rower in there. Mm-hmm. Well, how about if I cut out the third one? and say, okay, we're going to do that unilateral leg exercise and that bilateral upper body exercise, and we're going to do five minutes as many rounds as you can. That's what I do sometimes. So let's do a five-minute and wrap, and we're not going to burn them out for the rest of the the workout, right? Like some people do like 25-minute and wraps with like five exercises. It's like 10 cows on the bike and, you know, 21 hanging knee raises, like, there's there's a lot going on there and that almost ends up being the entire workout Mm -hmm. it's like no let's get our working sets in in a dense amount of time yeah and uh yeah just back to the fact that like it it, we're kind of speaking the same language in terms of how to approach each client and and no one is the same (laughs) absolutely Some people can hold, you know, a a heavy load on their body. Other people, it's detrimental to the way they even think about being in the gym, never mind the way they breathe or the way they move, right? So you give someone a weight sometimes and they're like, it's so heavy. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a 20-pound kettlebell, you know, and I'm just trying to have you do some squats. It's, It's not even an eighth of your weight. I know. Right. And, and that's not going to help them any more than maybe just doing an air squat partnered with some sort of tension based isometric wall sit so that you're getting the same amount of muscle tissue damage, but you're doing it in a sense where they're actually not worried about it. Yeah. Right? That nervous state or that state of, uh, it doesn't allow the muscle to actually get any benefit it's usually a lot of beginners that have that issue i run into that issue a lot and it subsides within a couple of weeks but they definitely have a lot of doubts 
than uh, than accomplishments. They don't feel like they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be you have to be on top of them to be like, look, like I'm not just your coach. I'm your best friend during this journey, number one. Mm-hmm. And like, I really truly believe in you. I wouldn't give you an exercise to watch you crumble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so like, but then again, like you said, if they're really psychoanalyzing and they had a bad day at work, they're exhausted. Nothing's gonna fix it. So you have to switch it up and definitely try to find the next best thing and 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 hit those things that you know they like. Mm-hmm. On those days, put them through the exercises that excite them or something they've been working on that they were excited about getting further on last time. You know what's funny with a lot of my. When I do par cues and interviews with my online clients, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it goes into, it goes really deep than most people into what time of day can you cook food? Uh, do you think you're going to succeed uh, cooking food? Do you think, like, what's your favorite type of training? What training have you done in the past? What kind of sports do you like? I can use all that kind of information to figure out, okay, maybe they're going to hate this type of training. Maybe they're going to hate this exercise, mm-hmm. but they're going to love this for example. And it's lo and behold, like that's something that I wish a lot of trainers would do. And I know you do that, but a lot of people don't, they don't go so in depth into like, let's look at how you're going to succeed versus fail. And that doesn't just mean like, do you have any injuries, uh, allergies and what's your goal? Like (laughs) more steps in depth than that. And the, the, the notion of asking someone who's looking to you for guidance, what their goal is, blows my mind because they're clearly coming to you from the standpoint of I don't feel comfortable enough with my amount of education to know where I should be and what I have to do to get there. So to ask someone what their goal is, most people are like, well, you know, tone up and like put some muscle on. Like, I don't, I don't know. Usually the response. Right. And, and, when you can ask questions like that and actually get into, well, like what made you drive here? You know, what, what actually put you in a, you know, in a state of mind where you said, I should go get a personal trainer. Did you look at somebody? Did someone talk to you? You know, if you could look like somebody, what would it, Who would that person be? I ask that question all the time. You know, and those things go a lot further. And I love the question of when can you cook? Or do you even, do you even like cooking? It's crucial. You're going to fail them. If if you're going to fail them on a test, for example, if you're not going to ask them, you know, if you're going to ask them to meal prep every day of the week when they're a busy woman that doesn't have time for that crap, like they're going to fail. Well, I travel four days a week. Um, All right. So yeah. So when you get home, cook dinner. Like, no, what? <laughs> Sounds ridiculous. But that's, right? We're, I think that's, that's the next topic we're going to go into there. Yeah. Is, is nutrition, diet versus lifestyle, micros and macros, counting calories versus not. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a um, Much more to come for sure. Is there anything you want to wrap this up with? this load versus resistance and circuit training versus your traditional muscle building techniques. I'll leave it with this. If you, you kind of have to go against the grain sometimes 
to get the results that you want to get because you better believe that the people that are way ahead of the curve in terms of success or growth, not just physically, uh, financially, mentally, everything, they've found a way. They're not soup. They're not like, hey, I found the way. I found the way. They're, but it's not a secret either. They're just not going to, why would they share that with you? So sometimes you have to go against the green a little bit and figure out like, what are some really knowledgeable people doing? Uh, and then also try to analyze like maybe who do they coach and what do they have them do? And put your reading glasses on for a little while and just try to really be almost like a detective to pick little pieces of information out. And then be like, oh my goodness, that's why he had him do that, you know, these past six months. I thought that was just like, you know, bogus, but it's actually like genius. So yeah. it's, it goes hand in hand to let's look at uh, like Paula Quinn and uh, Garanda when they do like the knee over toes stuff. People are like, oh my God, knee over toes, like you're going to die. Your knees are going to fall off. And <laughs> the more and more I think about it, people still look at me like I'm crazy doing knee over toe stuff, but almost all of my quad training now is knee over toes and my knees have never felt so good in my whole entire life. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I like how you phrased it against the grain as opposed to outside of the box because against the grain speaks to the fact that there's a spectrum and it's infinite in both directions outside the box makes us think of this, you know, three dimensional thing that has an inside and an out. And that's not how I view the world anyways. No, I don't think there is a box. Everything is in free space as we bring it back to the cup analogy. Absolutely. Right? Um, everything is filled with something. There is a pressure to go with the grain but if you learn how to manage your pressures uh, and go against the grain your your levers and pulleys might work a little better oh my God. <laughs> amazing <laughs> um so yeah guys make sure to continue to check out jake and everything that he's doing with revive muscle he's got a lot of new ideas which i'm excited uh to hear more about um he's helping lots of people especially if you're listening up in that boston area uh definitely reach out to him um do we want to do any sort of uh you know i know i know you've been changing things on the on the back end do you want to do any sort of of sale or any sort of um incentive for for these listeners here yeah, so the, that's it. I guess they get the first uh, view on it, but I'm releasing a 20% off all programs sale that includes exercise, coaching, even for bundle package purchases and meal plans. Uh, and that's basically going to go in effect next week. It's for fall. So it's going to probably be, I'm, I think I'm going to release it November 1st and have it go until December 1st. All right. Well, this will release Sunday, so they'll have a four-day notice to, to get ready for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, can't wait to, to get back on here and talk more about nutrition and some other um, training topics. I think uh, Jake will be on here frequently. I know. <laughs> we got a lot to Don't want to miss it. 
don't want to miss the next podcast. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, we're going to go off on a couple tangents. We're very strong-willed when it comes to nutrition, strong-minded. So um, you go check that out. Once again, thank you all for listening. Subscribe, follow both of us, do all of those things, leave a review because we're just trying to spread knowledge and help as many people as possible. That's, that's our main thing. So uh, it goes a long way. All right. Thanks, Dylan. No worries, Jake. Thank you as well. Peace out. Please, y'all, if you were able to take anything from today's podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and anybody looking to live that free and limitless lifestyle. Or you could even write a review or leave a comment down below for us. It'll be greatly appreciated. Also looking to partner with the best of the best in the brands and services that are going on in these industries that I'm discussing here with guests. And I believe we have some. So please go check them out and support them whenever possible. You will not be disappointed. You just heard it, y'all. 20% off starting November 1st for everything. All programs on Revive Muscle. Gotta go check them out. Jake was kind enough to give you guys the insight a couple days before everyone else. So definitely go check them out. Go see what programs are going to be best for you, how they're going to get you through your plateaus or start you on the journey of your goals and making those a reality for you. So follow him, subscribe to him, turn on post notifications and check out the website revivemuscle.com. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and secondly, y'all got to go check out the Breast Cancer Awareness Month shirts that just got released. There is a three-day opportunity to seize these. Three days, that's it. They're exclusive. Can't stop, won't stop. Breast cancer symbol with boxing gloves because the fight is not only yours. It's everybody around you. Can't stop, won't stop. Got to find the cure. Limitless Theory logo on the back. Everything from t-shirts to tank tops, onesies and even a long sleeve so check that out use code capital bcam all capitals bcam standing for breast cancer awareness month and you'll get 10 percent off at checkout on all products but those shirts are only available for three days and regardless of what you buy all proceeds are getting donated to a breast cancer awareness foundation so go check it out go support your fight is our fight Lastly, our partner store for today is findyourtrainer.com. Findyourtrainer.com is the best in the game, the one-stop shop to help you find a personal trainer in your area. They will be working outside, inside, at private and local gyms. All you can do when you're looking to get healthy is take the first step to your healthiest self by finding you a personal trainer, a professional that will help you customize a workout regimen to your physical needs and abilities. So make sure to check it out. Findyourtrainer.com is a partner store with shop.com backslash limitless theory. There you can create a free account and have access to 5% cash back on any of the personal trainers that 
you sign up with and buy session through on findyourtrainer.com. And if you are an unfranchised owner, you get 11% IBV. So if you're looking for an in-person personal trainer, someone that you can meet up with in your local area, hit me up and I can give you all the details. Alrighty. As mentioned before, these partnerships are really cultivating the relationships that are going to allow this podcast podcast to continue on for the listeners, for the viewers, and for myself and the whole Limitless Theory community. So please go check them out and support whenever and wherever you can. Uh, It definitely won't go unnoticed and I'm forever grateful. Thank you and take care.
which leads me right into the next. Go check out Nutrimetrics.com backslash Limitless Theory.